0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to talk pitching with the pitching guru, Scott Emerson. Chris Townsend sits down with the A's pitching coach exclusively on A's Cast. Outside corner, ring him up. And Eaton can't believe it. Perfect pitch right on the black. Here's Chris Townsend. Right now it's time to talk a little pitching with one of the greatest Arizona basketball players. In the history of the great state of Arizona in the Valley of the Sun, Scott Emerson, Mr. Arizona Basketball back in the day. Uh, How are you?
1: Well, that's not true, but... uh, You were all... I was a good basketball player, but... Sun, uh, conference... I was all-state. I was an all-state player, but Mike Bibby went to my high school and shattered everything, so... uh, the great Mike Bibby, uh,
0: national champion national in 1995 champion, with you know, the uh, Arizona Wildcats. Went back
1: to my high school, won eight state, uh, eight state championships, I believe. And as a coach, and he probably should be out there somewhere coaching.
0: Now, question would be: In your career, did you have a chance to go to the next level to play high school? Ba- I mean, to play college basketball?
1: Yeah, I talked to a lot of colleges about. Uh, you know, basketball, probably Loyola Marymount, uh, Texas Wesleyan, or excuse me, UTEP at the time uh, were kind of big on my list to go play there. Loyola Marymount ran our offense, and or we actually ran their offense. So uh, I was very familiar with those guys. Uh, You know, I mean, I didn't pursue it as much as I probably should have or really, really wanted to because I wanted to be a baseball player. But uh, at some point in time, I got drafted by the Padres in 1990. That tells you my age. And, uh, you know, I thought about,
0: okay, sign with the Padres and then go play college basketball. 90 was your senior year? 90 was my senior year. I am the mighty, mighty class of 90. Hey, there you go. So, you know, when I the reason why I ask is because something that we have lost, unfortunately, a lot in our sport is guys like from our era, we were encouraged football, basketball, baseball, track, whatever, play multiple sports, and I just wonder how much – you know, obviously, the success you had in basketball, how much did that help you in baseball, which now even helps you today as the teacher that you are?
1: Well, I think what you're seeing nowadays is you're, you're you know, obviously everybody's specializing in one sport, but, you know, uh, sports, other sports can help baseball players. You know, for me, it was basketball, footwork, being able to move around the court, being able to stay in front of your man on defense, being able to try to get around the guy defending you and uh, you know I, I look at soccer players I look at hockey players how how balanced they are and and how well conditioned they are my high school basketball coach Jerry Connors is a Hall of Fame basketball coach in Arizona and we ran a lot I mean, we would practice for three hours, and the first hour and a half was without a basketball. So he really trained our cardiovascular, our stamina, and our legs, and, and our ability to move. And uh, you know, nowadays you got you know, you're you're just a pitcher. Uh, you don't you get to learn to hit, and this is what you are. You know, I I'd like to see guys play multiple sports. I think it helps out for baseball being an athlete.
0: Yeah, a lot of coaches would always say, if we get beat, we're not going to get beat because we can't hustle. We're going to be in shape. We're going to hustle. If they're going to beat us, they're, going to, they're not running us off the floor.
1: 100%. I mean, we, we full court pressed. We uh, we ran and gun. I mean, we, we, we tried to throw up as many shots as we possibly can. Maybe that's why I scored some points in high school, but uh, you know, my high school basketball team, they created a, a system like Loyal Marymount, and uh, they went out and, and tried to put up as many points as they could, and when Mike Bibby was the head coach, they were the only public school to play at the Geico National Championships, so they did a great job for a long time in basketball.
0: So today I want to talk about the fastball up in the zone, because right now, the old man is back. Justin Verlander, I don't know how much video you've been able to see, but lately, Verlander is back to the 97-99. It's his highest velocity since his hike there in that 2007 time. Think about that, 2007. We're in 2022, and Verlander being able to throw 97-99 to 99, What is it about the high fastball that guys struggle so much against right now we know launch angle, but the high fastball in vogue.
1: Well, if, if you got high spin rate, something around 24 to, to 2800, that ball doesn't appear to sink. You know, every, Obviously, every ball is moving down because you're on a 10-inch elevated surface on the mound, and you got some finish out in and front. And there's gravity. Yeah, and there's gravity, always the Magnus Force, and all we can get into that later, but it's always pushing the ball down. But the guys who create really good backspin on the baseball, that gravity and that Magnus Force, the Magnus Force kind of keeps it up in the air, and the gravity is trying to push it down so you know it's it's just when you have a higher spin rate fastball that ball is able to play a little bit better at the top of the strike zone just like a lower spin rate if you look at uh you know two seam fastball guys you want that sinker to be around 1900 or less and it's loose rotation and that gravity keeps pushing that baseball to the bottom of the strike zone so you know when i'm looking at spin rate you know, you start looking at 21 to 2300, and that's kind of, for me, middle of the plate across the strike zone. I want guys to either be below 2100 or above 2400. The guys above 24, we can get some elevation up top. And I also look at drop, you know, 16 inches of vertical drop. Is generally what uh, is major league average. So if their ball drops more than 16 inches, then then you know maybe they don't play it up at the top of the strike zone as much. You have to look at the hitters who just chase velo. So, you know we got plenty of guys that have thrown 92, 93 that can still beat guys up top because their their ball appears not to drop.
0: I was trying to get a ball out of my bag, but I don't have one. So when it comes out of your fingers. And the ball's coming out of your fingers like this. You have well, that, a ball that's, on you. That's why I'm always prepared with a baseball. So tell us, like, 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 okay, why is Verlander, why is his spinning so much more than the, the, the average guy? Well, he's, pro- he's behind
1: the baseball. He's center cut of the ball, and that ball is rotating straight back. He's probably, his spin axis is around 12 or 1 o'clock which means that the ball's not bouncing, the ball's not wobbly, and it's just back spinning, right? So if you get a two-seamer, sometimes when it comes off your, your last finger, now you're creating some looser spin because of the, the two seams are wide open and this ball starts to wobble a little bit and gravity's starting to push this thing down where the Magnus Force is helping a four-seamer stay up top. As you can see, that tight spin right here, people at home may not be able to see this as good, but that type spin cuts through the air currents and Magnus force is keeping the flow up longer, where when the ball is loose and got loose rotation, the gravity's hitting the seams and kind of knocking it down a little bit more. So that's why, you know, you can now, you know, it's easier to quantify. The the one thing that we got to remember though is like, When I was in the eighth grade and I'd get ahead of a hitter, my dad would yell, give him the dreaded high hard one. You know, Bob Gibson, those type of guys, Steve Carlton, they had nasty sliders, but they also had real tight, probably I'm assuming they had real tight elevated spin on their fastball and they were able to keep their fastball up. So now they got the hitter looking in two spots. They got them looking up for an elevated fastball and they got them looking down in the dirt for a wrap breaking ball. And that's what, you know, helps you get swing and miss. You got hitters looking in two different areas of the plate and you can go to one area or the other and
0: keep them off balance. Uh, Sandy Koufax was a genius at that. I mean, that high fastball at 97 and 99, very Verlander-like. But he didn't have the height, so it wasn't coming. You know, it's amazing how tall Verlander is. But then you had Sandy Koufax with the big curveball, working both, you know, both ends of the well, strike n- zone. You know,
1: now that's called tunneling. So, so. Koufax's uh, ball came out kind of up at the top of the zone, probably yeah. stayed true and rode it out. And then that curveball came in the same, same spot I used to call it tree branching. You know, it looked like the tree, the the, the bark of the tree, and then the, the pitches start branching off. That's yeah. how I used to say it, you know, seven, eight years ago before the, the word tunneling came out. How can you uh, tree branch? Where does your ball start to deviate? So the, the elevated fastball, it deviates, and it just stays true, and then the curveball deviates, and then all of a sudden, that's where you get the bottom fell out of it or it drops off the table. It just comes out and bottoms out.
0: Can you teach extension and releasing it like extending out more to get more spin? Well,
1: you know, for me, when, when you look at deliveries and, and pitching mechanics, you know, you're always gonna extend your arm to throw a baseball, but it's your trunk. If your trunk is moving forward, you stay behind the ball longer. If your trunk starts moving to the side, Now your hand generally either flattens out. Some guys go to the side. If you look at two guys in particular for our our pitching staff, Acevedo rotates to the side, his arm goes to the side. Uh, uh, Zach Jackson rotates to the side, his arm goes up. So, uh, you know, they're two different style of pitchers, kind of both, both rotating their trunks probably a little bit more than you'd really like but they're very effective at what they do because they can keep their hand in that strike zone uh, long enough to throw strikes so you know everybody moves differently and uh, you know that's part of my job is to you know take the data and uh, quantify the numbers of how you know every breaking ball is not the same even if the numbers say they're the same because one guy's throwing it from here and another guy's throwing it from here the appearance the shape are not the same Because this guy maybe exposed the ball more to the hitter where this guy didn't expose the ball to the hitter. And they're still coming out of the same height release, the same horizontal release. And they have the same height and horizontal movement uh, patterns. But one's from over here and one's from up here. The look to the hitter,
0: the shape to the hitter will not be the same. And there's something about that elevated fastball that hitters just cannot They just cannot stop from wanting to swing at it. There's something about having it more appeasing to the eye. Even though they can't hit it, their eyes tell them, go for it well it's up
1: you know it's right there it's in their sight it's not changing planes as much you know there's some data out there that if pitchers have a height release below the hitter's eyes it can help create a little bit more swing and miss but when when the ball is above the the hitter's eyes it stays in that one plane and i call it the temptation ball there it is there it is there it is and they go for it and you know obviously some hit it and some don't but uh you know, always for the pitcher, uh, if you look at the statistics, you know, we used to say three out of ten for hitters is a Hall of Famer. And now uh, the batting average has gone down. But what's, con- you know, what's gone down, the batting average has may go- gone down, but, you know, hard contact and run production has
0: gone up because, you know, a homer is a run where a hit is not a run yet. So we always appreciate your time talking pitching here, and, of course, we've created your own podcast. I know you only have so much time, but, you know, when you go into a series like this and you look at, let's just say, Trout's healthy, Otani, let's say Rendon, what's it like in the pitchers' meeting with the catchers when you're talking about going going up against some of the best offensive forces in the game?
1: Well, you know, our, our guys fear no one, respect everyone. They go out there, they stick to their game plan. They know if they execute the right pitch at the right time that they have the advantage. And that is something that, that you're always trying to, to work out in the bullpen. It's execute your pitch right here. And then we'll throw in the data and we'll throw in the scouting reports and all the analytics and, and tell you what are the best pitches to execute to this guy in certain counts, in certain times. You know, some are more first pitch swingers and they do more damage on the first pitch. Some do damage later in the count. Some hit breakers better later in the count than they do early in the count. So we get all the data. We know that. So, you know, for us to gain the advantage is, you know, doing enough homework to understand what pitch we throw at the right time and we execute that pitch. Most of the time, you know, uh, our guys and all major league pitchers get hurt when they don't execute their pitch. They're trying to go away and the ball leaked back to the middle of the plate or they're, they're trying to throw a breaker down, and they throw it middle of the plate. So, obviously, middle of the plate, uh, even though middle of the plate, if you look at it analytically, is still not a not a bad spot to go, but you can't constantly live close to the middle of the plate with good major league hitters.
0: I think about Kirby Sneed and Shohei Otani where Murph was way outside, and the ball was just not in. It was way in on that breaking ball, and he still down at the big A knocked it out. So missing your target, location, 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 whether you're buying a house or you're pitching, location is so key. And some of these guys are so special. That was a ball that he hit out. Like you would not recommend swinging at that as a hitting coach, but yet he still knocked it out of the ballpark.
1: Yeah, real estate, right? Uh, you know, uh, Shohei is a, is a good hitter. Uh you don't you don't know if he's sitting on a certain speed or on a certain pitch because you know you don't know the mentality of him at that uh, present time, but uh, that ball was well in and he kept his hands inside the baseball probably we looked at it probably ten inches inside and uh, he still got the barrel to it you know and if you if you're just you know, keen on barreling up a pitch and you get something slower. And that's why I, I, you know, still tell our guys, you know, having the ability to throw a fastball where you want it helps set up other pitches. Not saying that you have to throw a lot of fastballs, but when you throw it, you need to throw it to its intended target and you need to stick it to that intended target. And if Shohei's looking for a breaking ball and he gets one and he swings, he's got a little bit more of an advantage.
0: What did you, uh, we'll end on this, what did you uh, average your senior year? hoops I think it was 22-9 I mean did you pass did you get other people involved or were you just I mean hey, man. you're Michael Jordan and you're shooting every single time down the floor I, I, I saw I saw
1: where Kobe Bryant said uh you know I live in the gym in the morning I live in the gym at night and if my teammates came this is what this is Kobe Bryant speaking Kobe Bryant said I, I had teammates come uh, 10 minutes before practice and left 10 minutes after practice why would I pass them the ball I don't trust them for their work. No, i just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> I, I,
0: I actually hey, saw we didn't give up the ride. You know, co- I, I, Kobe I, was never going to be a lead leaguer and assist. We could do. We I, I,
1: I saw that the other day. So, uh, I love that. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I enjoyed passing, you know, I, I played one, two or three, you know, point guard, shooting guard, some small forward. I love dealing the rock. I love setting up my teammates for shots. Uh, You know, my my thing was get to the line as many times as I can and get some of those points. But, uh, you know, I try to get get some points, and I try to dish out some points. And,
0: uh, you know, five or six uh, assists a game were, were, were fun for me. The great Scott Emerson right here, your Pidgey coach of the Oakland Athletics. Thank you, and we'll see you next homestand. Thanks for having me. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.